Well, hello, Northridge. Man, thank you. It is so good to be with you. If you're a first-time guest or you're watching, glad you're here. I uh, want to start off by saying it's not my fault. Let me tell you why. Because from day, from the time I landed here, I have been blamed for the power outage. Okay. From day one, I mean, I walked up and Christy Coots, also known as KK, she was like, it's your fault. I was like, what? What? Why is it my, my fault? Why is my, what's the deal? Why? Now, it just happens to be that the last time, which was actually the first, no, sorry, the first time I came to Northridge, uh, you guys had a power outage as well. Yeah, I showed up, never been here, and I show up on Sunday morning, you guys are out of power. So I was talking to Jim, one of our, you know, one of your staff members, and I was like, hey, does this happen a lot? And he was like, you. <laughs> That's all he said, you. I was like, okay, feeling the love here right, right now. Like what? So it's not my fault, friends. It's not my fault, okay? But if, if it happens the third time, it's a sign. I mean, it's, it's something. It's something. But honestly, though, I'm so glad to be here, and I do want to acknowledge the fact that, man, the, the fact of people losing power and losing electricity, it's a real thing. And so I'm grateful for this church that wants to help its community. Uh, if you have lost power, if you are in need, I know this church would love to help you. You know, the truth is, is that this is kind of ironic that this uh, weekend uh, you guys lost power and I'm uh, here and I really got I got this kind of this thought that I want you to wrestle with. I really believe that God wants to talk to you about this and the truth is it's connected to when things don't really work out as planned. Like how many of you love when a plan comes together? Like, you know what I'm saying? You're like, hey, this is awesome. Like you planned it and it happened and you're like, yes. And we'd love it. We've lived through seasons of our life where we feel like we're just on a roll, man. We're like, everything is just happening. I mean, we're killing it at work and home while losing weight. Yeah. Like, it's, it's happening, right? Our friendships are like just fresh, no drama at all. Everything's just popping. Spiritually, you are soaring. You're like, oh my goodness, I'm doing WWJD every day. For those of you who do not know what that is, it's what would Jesus do for those of you guys who are Jesus followers. Yes, you're like, you spiritually, you're, it's, it's just, it's just, it's everything is on lockdown. You're like, I cannot, I cannot do anything wrong. But then all of a sudden something happens. I don't know what it is, but something happens and it just stops. It just stops. You're like, well, hold on. Why is this running out? What is it, why is my, in, in one sense, quote-unquote, luck running out? What, what's happening? Things start slowing down. Maybe some things uh, are just die, drying up. You're like falling apart. You're like, what what's happens? We all know that there are seasons of our life where it's really going great, and then something happens. Some, for some of us, it's a slow decline, and for others of us, it's like abrupt stop. Someone just hit the brakes, and you're like, what just happened? You got this news. You got this. You found out about something about your relationship. You're like, oh my goodness. And in a weekend, in 24 hours, your status changed. I mean, you just went from I'm married to I'm not married anymore. You went from like, I, 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 I'm, you know, I, I, have, I have this relationship. I don't have this relationship anymore. I'm, I'm healthy. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm going to, I might be disabled. Like you just get this, 
something happens where you're like, physically, you're like, oh my goodness, what, God, why did you allow this? Have you ever experienced something like that? I think for some of us, it's, it's been like that. It's been like, we just, we, we didn't realize that, that we would never be in the situation that we're in. Now, some of you, you're still on a roll and we're happy for you. But for the others of us, we find like we're slipping into this decline. We're wondering what's going on. It seems like there was a season of our life that was really great. And then all of a sudden we got kind of moved, transported to another season. We got kind of exiled to another place. And for some of you, it, it feels like that, doesn't it? It feels like you're in a space, in a place that you never thought you'd be spiritually. You're like, I never thought it, I would be that person. I never thought I would be the person who's, who's in a room full of people, maybe even watching online, and then listening to the worship songs and going, I don't believe that anymore. Like, I'm not into it anymore. Because something happened in your life. Well, you thought this was going to... This was going to weigh, this, this is the way that it was all going to work out, and it just went sideways. So in the middle of that, what do you, you and I do? I don't know about you, but I look for like, why? What, 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 what's, what, what happened here? Like, why, why did this happen? Uh, how do you deal with it? Are you there this morning? What I want to do, though, is I want to speak to us through a passage of Scripture in the Old Testament that I really believe for some of us you need to lean into. Because you are living that right now and you're wondering where is God in all this and why did, is it happening to you? It's not happening to other people, but it's happening to you. So let's just jump, jump right in and look at what happened. Now we're in Jeremiah 29. So Jeremiah 29, if you got your Bibles, if you want to open them up on your phone or any device you have, we're going to be in Jeremiah 29. Now there is a popular, very famous uh, verse in Jeremiah 29. It's Jeremiah 29 for extra credit. It's Jeremiah 29. Okay, we got some people who know their stuff. Okay, so you know Jeremiah 29 11. And basically, in, depending on the translation you have, it says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you a hope and a... Yeah, you do. You love it, right? You got a tattooed somewhere. I know it. Or you have those, those, those pillowcases with, with scripture on them, which is weird. Anyways, but stuff. Also with your dog's face on it. What is that? Like, what's happening? What's happening? Okay, but anyways. Okay, but you love that passage. We love that passage. If you're not a follower of Jesus, if you've kind of sort of heard that, you're like, I like that passage. I thought that's a good thing. But I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yeah. Yes. But... I want to go into the context because that is just basically Jeremiah talking and we just have taken one line from what he said and we're like, yeah, I'm going to tattoo that thing. No, no, no. It's just one line. So let's go into the context. What happened? What happened is, is Jeremiah is speaking to a people group who've been physically exiled. They, I mean, they didn't go from a bad season, from good season to a bad season. No, they've been physically exiled from their home country to another place. In fact, they were in Jerusalem and they were exiled to Babylon, a totally different country by the, a Babylonian king called Nebuchadnezzar. And he did that and it was a traumatic uh, season uh, in, Ju in ancient Jewish history. I mean, people have written so many things about that. It, it was, it, it, a lot of the Old Testament kind of revolves around that. And the story is, is that these people group who have physically been um, 
exiled, which means that they have lost relationships. They are now by force removed from their place of fruitfulness, their place of familiarity, and moved into a foreign space. Like going into a foreign country. I mean, I'm an immigrant, so English is not my first language. And so coming here, I kind of understand the idea of like trying to fit in without trying to like be, oh, I'm cool, you know, but like just trying to figure it out. But these people were exiled by force. And what happens is, is that they, they, they are living there and they're not really, tr- uh, they're beside themselves. They're trying to figure out what happened and why does God hate us why does this happen to us? We were doing well, but it's not going well at all. Now, what's interesting about this passage is, is that this idea of where they were exiled. They were exiled in Babylon. Now, I've never necessarily been exiled, but because of my Middle Eastern background, I was born in Kuwait. Uh, and uh, actually, I got a picture for you, okay? I want to show you where things are, okay? So here's a picture, okay? You see that little, that little, little dot of a pimple over there? That's Kuwait. We're, we're, we're small, but we rich. Write that down. We rich, okay? Okay, so we might be small. We're richer than all of them. Okay, so, so we got Iraq right there, Saudi Arabia over there. Now, this story actually is connected to modern-day history is because when Nebuchadnezzar exiled Jewish people, he actually moved them to Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. Now, the way I'm connected to it is because in 1990... Iraq, it wasn't Nebuchadnezzar, it was Saddam Hussein, he invaded Kuwait. And I was there because I grew up, was born and raised in Kuwait. And we were in a war, physically in a war. And Saddam Hussein was literally doing that. He was exiling people to Iraq, which is so ironic and strange he was doing that. But I lost two years of my life. Two years. Finally got to come to the U.S. and But I I think for some of us, I mean, we haven't been through a physical exile, but I know, and you know, that you've been in a season and you feel like you are losing your life. Like you're losing precious years of your life. You've got this internal clock and it's ticking and you're like, I am not where I need to be and now I'm stuck. And something's happened and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm not, I'm never going to get married. I'm I'm never going to have kids. I'm never going to have this career. I'm never going to do this. I'm never going to do that. Now I've been delayed solely. And you're like, I can't believe it. And you're angry. You're mad. You're upset. And you don't know what's going on. Spiritually, you're like, God, I thought I gave you my life. And now I'm stuck here. So in the middle of that, God wants to say something. In the middle of their context, the Jewish people, God sends a prophet to them. Now, here's, here's the kicker. Okay? The kicker is what he says to them. So he's going to these people who have been exiled, who are going through a bad season of their life, a okay, bad season, and he starts off and he says this. Well, let's read together. It says, this is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to the captives, he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Well, Nebuchadnezzar did it, but right here, um, Jeremiah is pretty much saying that, no, no, God's still in charge of this. And he says, here's what God wants to say. Listen up. Okay, you ready? You ready? You ready? You ready? Build homes and plan to stay. Okay, I'm I'm sorry, what? What? He goes, yeah, yeah, and also plant gardens and eat the fruit they produce. Hey, also, while you're at it, 
marry and have kids, have children. Then find spouses for them so you may have many grandchildren. Multiply and don't dwindle away. Let's just stop right here. You're going through a rough season in your life, and I come to you as the person who's going to speak from God, and I go, hey, you're going to be here for a minute. Pack a lunch. <laughs> what? No, I need you to build homes. No, I'm not building anything. Listen, listen, if I'm in a bad season, I'm renting everything. I'm leasing that baby. I'm not planning to build anything. You know how, you know what, build it, construction? Oh my gosh, that's a process. It takes forever, okay? You think it's going to take some time. Does it take less time? Never happened. It takes more time. Then he says plant gardens. How many of you planted a garden before? You know what that takes? Time. Ta talent as well, I think, yeah. But time. Here, Jeremiah tells them, hey, hey, God wants you in this season to build homes. He wants you to plant gardens. He wants you to marry. I'm sorry, Mary, we've been exiled. I've, I was married before. You see, I'm in the season right now. I was married before. I did put myself out there, and it hurt me, and it broke my heart. And more that, than that, it broke me. And so I'm sorry, God, I don't know if I'm going to marry again or if I'm going to love again or I'm going to trust again. And here, in the middle of their pain, God says this, I need you to do all these things. And then he says, don't dwindle away, which I think for some of us, we need to hear that because you know and I know we're dwindling away. In seasons like this, we dwindle away. We, when we're stuck in a season, and I've been there, you just kind of start withering away. You kind of atrophy. You have a spiritual atrophy. You just kind of like, I just don't know anymore. I just don't know anymore. And I'm so glad you're here in this space right now, watching, listening to this. Because you know you're dwindling away. You're, man, you don't laugh as much as you used to. You don't. You know that. You don't smile as much as you used to. You don't really believe you don't even go out as much as you used to. You don't, you just want to be home. You just, you just don't know anymore. And in the middle of that, God says, hey, don't, don't dwell away. Don't dwindle away. And then he says, and, say, and he says, and then work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I have sent you into exile. Which again, you're like, okay, if you're listening to this and you're a Jewish person, you're like, I don't want to work for the prosperity of this place. This, I don't want to do that. And if you're listening to this right now, you, you're going, I don't want to work in the season that I'm in right now. I want to get out of the season that I'm in right now. I'm not working in this. I'm working to what? Get out of this. Like, I don't want to be. I don't want to be single. I mean, other people can be. I don't want to be. I don't want to be in this place. I don't want to be financially in this category or what I want to get out of this I don't I don't want to do this I don't want to I don't want to be looking for another job again and looking for another career again I never thought I would be let go I never thought that I don't I don't want to I don't want to do this I just want to get out of the season and then he says hey listen and also I want you to pray to the Lord for it for its welfare will determine your what welfare it seems like he's saying it's like your welfare the your state of mind 
right, right now is important because your current state of mind is connected to your next state of mind. The person you are right now as you go through this season and the person you have an opportunity to become in this season is going to determine the quality of your next season. So right here, God's saying, hey, I know you want a breakthrough. I know, but there is in the middle of your exile, in the middle of the season, there needs to be a becoming before a breakthrough. Like you have to actually become a certain kind of person to have a breakthrough, which I know so many of us, I mean, including myself, I want a breakthrough and then I'll become, <laughs> right? I want a breakthrough. And he goes, oh, no, you actually have to become someone to actually, in fact, begin to have this um, power to keep on breaking through to things in your life. So this opportunity is for us to go, okay, what kind of person does God want us to be? Because it's so tough. It's so tough to kind of look at this and go, I, I can't, I, I, just, I, just want, I just, I can't do this. I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this because if you want to, like I said before, get out. And we will listen to anybody who says, anything about the idea of getting out. We'll go to prayer, we'll, go, we'll, we'll ask people for advice, we'll, we'll, go, we'll do things, and all the things we are doing is really trying to get out. Out. And so, Jeremiah knows this, God knows this, and he speaks to it. So he goes on, he continues, he says, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says. So he repeats that again, and he goes, okay, first of all, I want you to do this. But then he says, do not let your prophets and fortune tellers who are with you in the land of Babylon, what? What's that word? Trick you. Do not listen to their dreams because they're telling you what? Lies in whose name? In my name. I have not, what? Sent them. So here God is saying, hey, 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 by the way, you're going through this. Jeremiah goes, hey, I know, I know what I'm saying here. But God's also saying that there are people in your life, there are people who, who feel like, who seem like they're from God, but they're selling you stuff. What were they, by the way, telling these people, right? In context, what were they telling them? Here's what they were telling them. It's not going to take a while. Uh, you don't need to build homes. You don't need to settle on this. You don't need to, you don't, you don't need to take a minute. You, you need to. God's going to show up anytime now. Anytime now, anytime now, anytime now. He's going to show up anytime now. But he's going to show up anytime now. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And here's the problem. Good, well-meaning people have done this. They have, they've, they've come to us and they said, you know what? God had told me this and this and this and this. And we believe them and it doesn't pan out. I mean, I mean I've talked to, to ladies out there who've been, who, 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 who believed when someone said, hey, I really believe that you're going to have a baby soon. And, and, it, and, and after the third miscarriage, they were like, you know who they blame? God. And the scriptures tell us that when, when hope is deferred, when we hope and hope and hope and it doesn't pan out, when we believe empty promises that are in God's name, people get so disillusioned and people leave the faith. The problem was, he said, I did not, what? Send them. I'm not saying this. I'm not saying what you want to hear. I'm telling you the truth. This is, seems like bad news, but it's good for you. I want you to know. So Jeremiah says, don't believe them. Don't believe them. Because if you believe them, then you'll continue to live a life that I think some of us do. What we do is, in the season, we, we, we end up basically reacting to our past. 
We're like dwelling on our past. Our lives are like, we want to get out, but we keep thinking about what we could have done better. And we go, man, I should have been, I should have been, I should have been, I should have done that. You dwell on the past, dwell on the past, dwell on, dwell on all the mistakes that you made, dwell on all the, 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 the things you could have done better. And now we're stuck just thinking about the past all the time. And then what happens to the present? Well, we keep on just maintaining it. We're just maintaining the present. We're just kind of like doing the things we always do. And that's about it, hoping, hoping, hoping. We just kind of can just do this until we get out of the season. Because why? We're thinking about the past all the time, all the time. In the middle of that, our souls and our spirits are basically fearing the future. So what we do is we react to the past, we, 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 we just maintain the present, and then we fear the future. We're just, we're, 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 not, we're, not, we're not faith, we don't exercise faith for the future, we just, we're fearful of it. And that's all we do. And God knows this. And so, he continues to talk to these people through Jeremiah, and he says this, okay? He says this. He said, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. Listen to me. And he says, this is it. This is it. Verse 10, he says, this is, this is it. This is what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. You will be, you will be in Babylon for 70 I'm sorry, 70 years. Let's just stop right here. 70 years. Could you imagine if Jeremiah, when Jeremiah got this, and he was like, and uh, you will be here, Babylon, for 70 years? You sure it's not seven, God? You know, because you're into seven. Like, we have to add a zero there? 70 seems like, ooh. These people have been through a lot. I just got to comfort them. He goes, no, 70 years. See, here's the problem with 70 years. It doesn't matter if you're 10 years old. That's still bad news. Right? You're 10. You're like, 80 years? Well, I'm, I'm just stuck here? And he says, 70 years. Could you imagine going to someone and going, oh, man, I know you're having some issues, right? I know financially you're tight. You know what, though? You know how long it's going to take? 70 years. <laughs> oh, you know what? I know. I know. You've been going through therapy and you're doing the work. It's good. It's good. You know what? But it's going to take a minute. Yeah. It's going to take a minute. You need to pack a lunch. I, I can honestly, I, you know what? Forget even lunch. It's going to take 70 years. Man, I've been trying to find the one. Oh, yeah, the one's coming. But guess what? You know how long? 70 years. It's never a good thing to say that. Never, ever. 70 years. Oh my goodness. You're going to lose that weight. Oh yeah, you are. It's going to happen. <laughs> yep. Guess what? You know how long it's going to take? 70 years. You're like, I don't even care at that point. Let me just die fat. Like what? Like, what? I don't even care. Like how is this good news? And then he says, but, but. This is sincere, right? He goes, but I will come and do for you all the good things I've promised. And I will bring you home again. It's like, I, I, I'm, I'm going to do this. And he goes, and you know why? Jeremiah 29, 11. Because I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and what? 
not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. See, in this the middle of that where God promises that. He says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. And I will be found by you. You will feel my presence, he's saying. You will feel my presence. In the middle of your crisis, in the middle of the dark days, you will feel my presence. And I will, t- I will end your captivity, captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you and bring you home again to your own land. He says, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this, but I need you to understand that I need you to become a certain kind of person, and, 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 and this, this kind of person is not going to impact their generation for generations to come. And I know 70 years seems crazy, but the kind of person you, can, you have an opportunity and, to become, and we have an opportunity to become in our darkest days, is the kind of person that will leave a legacy not just for our kids, but for our grandkids. The kind of person that you and I can be will shape not just our lives, but the lives of other people around us. That's what he's saying. He's saying, I know 70 years isn't making sense, but I'm telling you, you need to understand that there's a bigger picture at play here. And so I know you, you, I know you, you have this crazy relationship with the past and present and future, but let me tell you the kind of relationship I want you to have. First, I want you to not dwell in the past. I want you to reconcile the past. Reconcile it. What does that mean? That means for some of you, you need to give yourself a minute to really grieve the loss you got, you have. And for some of you, dudes, guys, or people who just don't cry as much, you have to cry about this. You got to allow yourself to mourn and cry about this loss. I mean, I, I, tell you, I don't know how many guys I know that who just hold stuff in. You just hold it in. Man, it, it messed you up when your dad died. All right? It did. And you didn't even have a good relationship with him. But you know what? It's messing you up right now. It's messing up your future. So God says, hey, this, this time, I need, I need you to reconcile it. You were cheated on. You were cheated on. And that just wrecked your self-esteem. And you got to sit in that for a bit. You got to let that happen. You got to reconcile that. And then after you've done that, you got to re-engage. You got to, you have to re-engage now in the present. You got to engage, not just maintain it, you got to do it again. And you're like, Naeem, I don't want to do it again. And I get it, friends. We lost so much during COVID. And you're like, I don't want to do this again. And for some of us, spiritually, financially, psychologically, uh, we had to just, career-wise, we just had to start all over again. You lost friendships. You're like, oh, I don't want to do this again. And that's why you've been maintaining the present. But you have to, you have to re-engage the present once again. Naeem, I lost it all. I know you lost it all, but you got to build it again. If it was that important, you do it again. You do it again. I don't want to. I know you don't want to. I don't want to. 
But that's what he's saying in this passage. He's saying, I want you to engage the present, like start planting, building, start doing work, start doing this. And then he says, and then I want you to create the future. So reconcile the past, engage the present, and then create the future with God's help. God wants to always co-create with you. Like he's not saying, hey, I got this plan, just, just live it out like, a, like just a person who has no opinions, no dreams, no vision. No, I want to create with you. That's why God's given his presence inside of you. But the thing is, you've not been creating the future. You've just been praying about it. You haven't been creating the things, the life, the relationships that you know you need to create. You've just been just stuck. And God's saying, hey, it's time to get unstuck, but here's the deal. It's going to take a minute, and there's stuff that you need to become. There's stuff that you need to do in this season of your life to make sure the next season is great. And I promise you, I promise for you, I have plans to give you a hope and a future to restore you. I promise you, but you got to do the work, and you got to fight for this. And for some of us, you know exactly what you got to do. You know what's interesting about this is that how, is when we, when we try to figure out, okay, what, what, what did we do? It, it's kind of interesting how this story of the people in, in exile, well, there's an, actually another story of the people who are in exile, their family members were actually back home. And back home in Jerusalem, there's another thing going on. God sends a guy named Nehemiah. Not Jeremiah, but Nehemiah, and he starts rebuilding a wall. And he's rebuilding a wall, and he's trying to remind people that in the middle of even their relatives, exiled, relationships, exiled, they need to start rebuilding the wall here. So there are people in exile who's got to do work, and there are people who are left with the devastation of lost things. He says they've got to rebuild the wall. And when, Jerem, when, uh, when Nehemiah, the guy who builds the wall, he encourages them, he encourages them because there is serious opposition. For them, it was opposition like physically. There were people against them because now the Babylonians have been, are, are in their land and it's just a mess. And they're like, we got to rebuild this wall, we got to do this, and they've been influenced by other people. And so they have their physical, a physical like resistance. But for us, it might not be physical resistance. For us, as we're trying to rebuild, it's just emotional resistance. It's just like psychological resistance. You know what you need to do, but we don't want to do it. You're like, I just don't, I can't, I can't. You just, it's just, it's just I, I can't, I can't, I can't. And see, here, in both of these stories, Nehemiah and Jeremiah, they tell us, you and I have to fight. In fact, Nehemiah says this, okay? Nehemiah 4 says to those people, he says, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, for your sons, for your daughters, your wives, and help me out. And what? Your homes. He says, fight for this. You got to fight for this. And in fact, there is a picture of how he motivated them. And that is a great illustration for, I believe, how we need to fight in the season we're in as we rebuild our lives, as we move and become the person we're meant to be to move out of the season into another one. Like he gives us a great picture. So in, in one of the chapters, he says this. He says that we had so much opposition 
Because he writes this down. He says, we are so into opposition that the laborers, the people had to do something in particular. And he says here, he said the laborers, he said the laborers carried on their work, like we did work, with, with one hand supporting their load, right? The stuff they were doing. And one hand, they were holding, holding what? A weapon. They're like, it, 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 it seemed crazy, but the resistance was so, bad, so much that in one hand, they were carrying a load, the things they had to do, and the other one, they had a weapon. He says, and all the builders had a sword belted to their side. And I thought, man, that is a great illustration for really the kind of work and the kind of fight that we have to fight with. And so to illustrate this, here is a hammer. And this hammer represents pretty much the work that God wants you and I to do, the effort that's involved with this, the building of things, the, the, the reconstruction of our lives spiritually, relationally. It's, it's the work you got to do. It's the work you got to do. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the therapy you got to show up to. It's just basically showing up for yourself, showing up at the gym, just showing up and doing the work you got to do. And some of us are here, but you still find yourself going, I'm not quite sure what's happening. Like, I, I don't think I'm moving forward. Well, what Nehemiah tells us is that when we, you and I, have resistance, there's something more that we need to have. And that, he says, is that they had, they had in fact, a weapon, a pretty sweet little sword, sword here. He's like, they had a weapon on the other hand. And I just thought, wow, what a great picture when God says, I want you to fight with a sword and a hammer. So I want you to do the work, do the work, but I also need you to know that this is the sword of God's spirit and God's word. And so Jeremiah 29, 11 is all this. But before we get to Jeremiah 29, 11, we've got to go to 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, which is all this. And for some of us, we're just doing all of this. We're like, I'm believing, I'm believing, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. But, but hey, hey, you need to get up and do something. You got to get up and do something. You got to fight with both of these things, with a sword and with a hammer. And some of us, you've just been fighting like this, and you're like just trying to hammer away at your work, and you're just doing the thing and it's not working. And for some of us, you got the sword here, and we're just like, hey. And we're not doing any work. We're just praying about it. Yeah, I'm praying about it. Jeremiah 29, 11. Well, that's great, bro. But 70 years. <laughs> like, you got to do both. See, friends, I don't know if you realize this. I mean, I know this is an illustration, but it, it speaks a powerful truth in our lives. That for some of us, we are in exile. You know, you were never supposed to be in this space. You were never supposed to be. And you're not going to be there forever. For others of us, you were never supposed to um, lose relationships of, of kids, of relationships that you feel like they're exiled. They're like, I haven't talked to my kid in forever. I, I haven't done that. But wherever you are, you've you got you to gotta rebuild again. You've got to do it again. You gotta create this future because God told even Joshua, you guys, if you remember Joshua, after Moses, Joshua comes and he, God says, hey, listen, I've got these plans and he's 
promises Joshua this. He says, wherever you step, I'll give you that land. Wherever you step, just be strong and, if you remember, what is the word? And courageous. Just be strong and courageous, but just step. Whatever place you step, I will give you as your land. And basically what God was saying is, but you got to step. Like, I'll give you all the land that you step, but I'm not, and I can't give you land you don't step. That for some of us, we haven't stepped out in faith, and we're wondering why are things not happening. You haven't stepped out and done the work again to rebuild your life again, rebuild your, your soul again, your spirit again, your heart again. You haven't done the work in showing up again and again and spending time with God. Friends, the only way to move forward with this kind of life, the, the reality that we live in, is to war and fight a different kind of way, and it requires both of these things. Let me read you this passage, because this is so important for so many of us. Second Corinthians says this, we are human, but we don't wage wars as humans do. See, this is not about raging war politically or socially or morally. This is, this is about spiritual warfare. This is about us doing the work and believing that God is able to do immeasurably more than we can even ask or imagine through his power that is in us. So today, where are you? I want to pray for you. I want to pray that God will comfort you, but also challenge you to move, to pick up both the sword and the hammer and to create the future he created you for. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for our lives. Thank you that you care enough. You care enough to speak to us today. God, I pray for the person right now who's wondering, like, what, what, what's my next step? And for some of us, our next step, our courageous next step to move forward out of our season, out of the condition we're in, is to give you our lives. We've never really done that. So right now, God, I pray for people right now who are feeling this, who would just say this in their heart right now, Jesus, I give you my life. Would you forgive me and would you fill me with your presence? And God, for some of us who are just so overwhelmed with grief and pain, Remind us, God, that you are the God who rescues. You are the God and you've not left us. And I pray that we would never leave you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys.